You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. I am your host, Erica Lance. Um, Do not forget to like and subscribe. And of course, if you ever want to reach out to us, drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. My amazing co-host today is Bo Lake. And we have a very, very, very special episode because um, we were contacted um, earlier this year about an author named Annie O'Neill Stein, who has written a book called Exit Wounds. She has a fabulous life that we're going to get into, but unfortunately she passed away. So we have her amazing husband here to help us tell her story about this book that she wrote. So Jeffrey Stein, welcome to Drinking with Authors. Thanks, Erica. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Okay. We talk a little bit about what we're drinking so people can drink along. And so (laughs) a little bit in homage to... um, where her book takes place, Um, I am drinking a hot toddy. So it is lemon, it's actually whole lemongrass, cinnamon, tea, and honey with whiskey in it. And um, it may be early in the afternoon, but it's 54 degrees here. So I figured this was appropriate. (laughs) But what do you think? It's super cold out. So that's like the perfect drink. It Um, is. I have a blue moon today. That is what I'm drinking today. I do enjoy a blue moon with a good orange. It's my favorite, yeah. And Jeffrey, what is blue moon? Blue what is blue moon? A, it's a beer. It's ah. a pale ale. Jeez, I feel like such a wuss now. You, know, you have a little whiskey, you have a little beer. I just got a bottle of water, I tell you. <laughs> That's okay. You may be the healthier one of all of us. I mean, it, it's true. It's I don't true. know. I think I should go and get some tequila. I think I should infuse it with a little tequila to really kind of perk, perk it up for me. I do like that. I'm here in Los Angeles. I'm here in Los Angeles where it's it is mild, the weather's warm, and it is still before noon. So please excuse me for being out. No, that's okay. You know, it's it's two o'clock and I'm drinking a hot toddy. I mean, I just use the excuse of being a podcast host to do this, but really, (laughs) I don't know. Um, So Jeffrey, can you talk a little bit about your wife and what she chose to write a book? Yes, um, it's interesting because originally uh, this book started out as a series of short stories and uh, it was some time ago she was uh, accepted at the uh, Writers Conference at Swanee in in Tennessee, the Writers Conference, and there Alice McDermott, um, who is a a, award-winning, highly esteemed uh, author, was her teacher there and mentored her. And she suggested to Annie that she take these short stories and actually turn it into a novel. She thought it should be a novel. Uh, so the, the first part of, of the book, I mean, it is a novel, but the first part of the book, I would say, is closer to memoir from the point of view that a lot of the stories um, that you know set the stage for uh, Laura, Laura the, the lead character's journey uh, took place in Annie's childhood, 
Um, and, uh, and I think that uh, she needed to kind of get some, put some light into the darkness in order to kind of, uh, in a way, um, save herself. Um, she grew up in an Irish Catholic family. There was alcoholism, there was abuse. It was not uh, directed towards Anna herself, but from the father to the mother. Um, and, you know, and it was, uh, there was some, a lot of darkness there mixed in with uh, Sunday morning pancakes. So it wasn't like all just horror but there was a lot of uh, a darkness there. And I think Annie just needed to um, shine a light uh, as a way of liberating uh, it from herself. And- That's Very cool. So when did she start this? Oh my gosh, she, she's been writing this book almost as long as I know her. She started these short stories, I'd, I'd say as, as long as 12, 15 years ago. She, um, when she worked with Alice McDermott, I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I guess it was about eight years ago. So she's been writing this and she turned it into a novel. And the second part of the, of the, of the book is more fiction than the first part, but it still um, is an expression of Annie's, of her personal journey through uh, the main character, uh, Laura. And listen, I think all artists are uh, informed by their own experience. Uh, so even though it's it's fiction, you know, you draw from what you kind of know. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of it, uh, even though the second half is more fiction, is drawn from Annie's own process. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And it's very true. Like, that is what happens. You do draw on a lot of your life experience now whether you do that to modify it or you use it to channel some part of uh story or acting so annie was an actress too she was an actress i mean uh, you know listen i look at annie's life truthfully and especially since she passed away it was interesting because um we had a memorial for annie and in organizing the memorial i i wound up going through tons and tons of photos and uh, life experiences that we had, reliving a lot of stuff. So I knew how to present, you know, what I saw as, as Annie, as her life. And what I, I really came to the conclusion was that her life was really a life of triumph. Uh, especially when one reads this book and you, and you see what the early parts of her life were like and where she came from. Uh, and the fact that she was essentially orphaned as a young teenager. Her mother, who she was very close to, died uh, a couple of weeks before Annie turned 13. And her father died a few years after that. So she was essentially an orphan. Uh, and um, her childhood was a combination of Park Avenue privilege. because her mother's family came what they called the Lace Curtain Irish. And her father's family was kind of off the boat, more of what they call the shanty Irish. So there was this kind of always conflict. They lived in a big house, but the furniture was shabby type of thing. And, um, and she had to find a way through life uh, to get the kind of life she wanted. And it's so in a sense, it's this journey, she, uh, her journey, Annie's personal journey. Yes, she became an actress. Uh, and she worked, she was a working actress. She was never obviously a big star, otherwise you would have known her that way. But she had, you know, 
parts in, you know, uh, Charlie's Angels and Miami, Miami Vice, and plus some small parts in feature films. Um, but she morphed from that into becoming a stylist. Wow. And she, and she worked with, uh, Annie had an amazing sense of style. I mean, everybody always talks about how, how well, she, how, how she dressed. Um, and uh, she worked with a lot of the top uh, directors doing commercials and print work for a bunch of years. And then I oh, guess wow. after she had the children and it was more important for her to stay home, she then kind of morphed into becoming a writer. And she started out writing for magazines and newspapers. She, she was published in the New York Times, the LA Times, and a lot of magazines. She was a regular contributor to the Huffington Post. And oh, wow. then she started writing these stories of, from childhood. And that's, that's when these stories eventually, and they were very powerful. Uh-oh. Did we lose him? I think we might have lost him. We may have lost him. Uh-oh. Oh, there he is. There, you're back. You froze oh. for a moment. That's okay. Oh. We were having Did a moment like- Were you able to hear what I said? Um, Up until Part the it. very last couple of seconds, yes. Oh my God. That's okay. All that, all that brilliance. <laughs> all that brilliance, it's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to say something to something you something you said earlier. Woo, whiskey. Um, one of the things I thought that you said, which was really important uh, about her life for people listening out there, is I talk about it. I, I did acting when I was younger. I did a lot of play work and I did some commercial work and a couple of movies before I had children because apparently they don't want you to bring little babies to the set. Whatever, that's fine. You have to be A-list for that. But um, people, I think, underestimate how many working actors there are you see them in different tv shows in commercials in different movies and they're not necessarily the big name but they're working all the time right. and that is probably the majority of actors out there are working actors that if that's what you want to do you have to do that and i think that's true in a lot of our industries there's working authors that are not necessarily the Stephen Kings or the Stephanie right. Myers or the, you know, Nora Roberts, I can right. list a bunch of them. Those are the one percenters, right? And then the rest of us are writing and writing and writing or doing whatever the activity is all the time. And there's a lot to be said for that because there's a perseverance in working actors that it's not that they just walk onto a stage and they get everything or people call them going, I want you to do this. That does happen. But a lot of times it's auditions, 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 and a ton sure. of work and waiting to hear how that's gonna go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, listen, I was in the movie business. That's what brought me out here. So I, I know that world somewhat. Um, and uh, you're, what you're saying is absolutely right. I mean, sometimes I look at a movie, like an old movie from the forties, for example, and you see mm -hmm. the headliners, you know, uh, Humphrey Bogart, um, you know, Lauren Bacall, um, you know, John Huston or whatever. And then you see a list of about another 10 names underneath it, which are featured players, which nobody's ever heard of. And I think to myself, you know, those actors probably get a, a, a plum part in a Humphrey Bogart movie. They must have thought, I'm making it. But yet, yeah, you know, there are so many of those people, they kind of, like you say, they are working, but they never reach, they never bubble to the top where people would know who they are. And uh, that's uh, quite common. I have a friend out uh, here. She works all the time and nobody would know her name. She's always- Oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely, I think there's, there's something to be said and in a degree of um, a respect that should be paid to that because it is a lot of the background characters or the episodic characters or something like that. Like the characters during the show make a difference, but sure. the ones that come in and play the bad guy on the show or the mm -hmm. comic relief or the weird girlfriend or boyfriend or partner, right. you know? The ones you have to look up on IMDb afterward because you're like, I know that face, right. but I don't know their name sort of character. Right. Exactly, exactly. And I think that is an important, um, it's in, anyway, I just, you said that and I like to highlight those things when they come up. So um, so she started writing these as short stories. Did she ever go, hey, I'm gonna publish these or that's my goal and I wanna publish them? You know, so I'm not clear what her goal was. She, yes, yeah, she, she originally wanted to publish a book of short stories. That was her goal. And uh, I guess she was gathering these. There were probably a half a dozen stories which I have read over the years that are in the book, uh, the basically the first part of the book. Um, and she was gonna do a book of short stories, but it, was, but it was Alice told her, you know, this should really be a novel. So she went back and it took her a long time to convert it into a novel. And she went through so many drafts. I can't begin to tell you how many times it was written and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten until she finally got it really right. I mean, yeah. the reviews, there have been some reviews of the book. The early reviews have been out and out raves, five-star raves from everybody. One person called it a, uh, they said, uh, I'm just going to read this. This heartbreaking and gritty novel is sure to become a modern classic. Uh, and what breaks my heart a little bit is that Annie's not here to hear that, hear those yeah. comments from people because... You know, listen, every artist, I think, is, always gets a little insecure about their output before they put it out there and hope people, and that's that's even with big big stars and all, big, you know, well-established people. So she was kind of concerned, would it be, how would it be accepted? Will people accept it? So it kind of breaks my heart. I read these reviews and my heart soars, but my stomach drops, you know, it's so kind of bittersweet. Anyway. No, totally. I, and I, I think that's sweet. I think, though, you know, she put this beautiful piece of art out there that's going to keep her memory alive because it, it, it's going to impact all the people that are a part of it. And right. that is a neat thing when you create art. It's probably still true of some of the acting she's done and the commercials. There are people that saw commercials she did, and that's the commercial that's in their memory all the time. Like, I think we could all pick a commercial that we remember that's in our memory that maybe didn't have all the stars or whatever. Like, I, I know it's funny, this just popped into my mind, but like time to make the donuts. I don't know if people remember that set of commercials, right? But that was a dude that was the time to make the donuts dude. Like that was his whole thing, right? But I remember that. I think commercials, I think probably the parts she did all of this, the cool thing is that she's going to continue to affect people's lives. And I'm sure that's part of what drove her passion on some of these things. You know, mm -hmm. we generally don't write a book to go, I really hope it pisses everybody off. I mean, there's some authors that do that, but I mean, in general, you write a book to go, I want people to enjoy this, this to spark joy or spark thought or, you know, have them relate or be able to see themselves in the book and stuff like that. And although her journey, um, holistically is not unique necessarily coming from a back abusive background and things like that 
it's a way that people connect with themselves in the story that's going to be pretty epic. So I'm sure wherever she is, she's smiling about that. You know, on that point, one of the reviewers actually made a point of saying that she shared her Irish uh, background and so much of what was in the book, this person, this reviewer related to personally, and it made her, you know, have the smells and the, and the, and the visuals of, of her life as a, when she was growing up that kind of came back to her. So it connected on that level for sure, which is to your point in a way. I think that's brilliant. So um, she wrote these short stories. What about, I mean, it's interesting. We don't usually get to talk up to the support channel for an author. What was that like when she was writing and stuff? Was she, did she go take her laptop or whatever and or write by hand? Like, how did she, how did you see it from your perspective, her writing? Well, at one point she was uh, longhand writing. Uh, but then she kind of switched over to the computer because I guess realized it was better. And she, you know, uh, she was just went off on her own and did her did her thing. You know, she didn't really show it to me. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Uh, but, you know, every so, you know, once something was completed, I would read these things. And uh, I, I tell you, these these short story parts are, are powerful. I mean, you'll see when you read it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And the book is, you know, it's not a happy book. It's got a, it's got a heavy, there's a heavy theme about it, about this person's journey and how she's kind of seeking a, to make peace and have a redemption. But Annie had an incredible sense of humor. She was, she had a wonderful way with words. She was able to kind of twist words that was so clever that the book is actually amusing. It is not a slog to read. It's not one of these Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, it's kind of, it's, an, it's, an, it's a fast read. It's enjoyable because of, I think the way the humor, it's black Irish humor is infused throughout the story. Well, and it, it's funny you say black Irish. So I discovered that was my lineage a few years ago from my dad. We apparently came over and told everybody we were Dutch. Uh-huh. You know? Like you do, because you used to be able to do that. You can't get away with that now coming into the country. But way back then, you could come over and they go, "What is your name?" Right. <laughs> family apparently you could went, say any any name you wanted. Yeah, no, Not they no did. Real. They said they said Piper, <laughs> and um, that which is a Dutch name. They told everybody they were Dutch. They were not Dutch. It was Fox, and they were absolutely Irish. <laughs> you know, which. It, we've lived in America for generations, but I, I think that's super neat. I was super excited when I saw what this book was about. I think it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, Bo, you had questions. Bo comes prepared. I'm, I'm not good <laughs> on the prepared factor. I always write down my questions and Erica makes fun of me for it. Because I do because <laughs> I, am, I have a post-it that tells me, reminds me to ask for people to like and subscribe. That's that's this extremeness <laughs> that I do with my podcasting. Sure. Okay, Bo, take it away, my friend. So because you were talking about the reviews, I, I also looked at the reviews earlier today and people repeated the same words over and over. They're like gritty, dark, humorous, um, grief. Why do you think Annie was so focused on grief in her story? Why do you think she focused on it? Well, um, grief is what came out of the experience of her childhood. And I think what she 
she didn't want to live in grief. She wanted to yeah. be able to get past it. And was it was it was it's really a it's a it's almost like an odyssey. It's a journey. The story is a journey from point A to point Z, and um, and didn't want like she has a. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I changed my mind about what I was about to say. <laughs> I didn't want to involve somebody else, but there's somebody else who's had a similar journey who does not want to look at it because it's too, whether it's painful or shameful or whatever the reason is, wants to keep that hidden. Uh, that's one way of dealing with that kind of experience. Annie was of a different cut of cloth. She felt that, uh, you know, if you have this stuff inside of you, even if you're not aware of it on a conscious everyday basis, it's still in there. And it's still somehow owns a piece of you on the inside. And if there's a darkness in there, or there's grief, or there's anger, or these these emotions that we we live every day, maybe not aware of it, it doesn't mean it's not impacting us because mm -hmm. it's there. And sometimes I don't know, maybe you've all experienced this, but it's like let's assume um, you had a, a bad experience with somebody sometime in your past, and you never really confronted it, and you know you just kind of you know, made, made as if it was fine. And then 10 years later, you run into this person or you see something that reminds you of it. And, and that anger can arise. You, do you know what I'm talking about? That emotion, yeah. the emotion that was there from then, even though you weren't aware of it for 10 years, all of a sudden is enlivened. So the point is, just because you're not aware of it doesn't mean it's not eating at you. And that's not what Annie, she didn't want to live that way. So she felt confront all these emotions and let's see if we can move past it and come out the other side. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I think what's true, it's interesting because I've talked to the therapist about this myself. <laughs> that, um, you, There are things that can be in levels and I think also becoming more aware of a situation changes how you then view something in the past if it comes up again. Because right. at that time, at that moment, you you made a decision, whether it was to ignore it, to whatever, <laughs> to say this was normal. You know, there's a myriad of reactions that we have from a survivability to get past that. So whatever that moment is, doesn't break us, right? right. And mm -hmm. or break some part of us during right. it. And then, you know, as you you get older generally and you experience different things, you suddenly have different glasses you're looking at that event from. Right. So right. you can have something that may seem the most minute or mundane, and then it just hits this little hidden trigger on that box, that Pandora's right. box you're not aware of, and it goes click and everything comes spewing out and you're like, why? Exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think we've all experienced that, I'm sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay, Val, keep going on you, your epic question. <laughs> you you mentioned that she wrote for um journalistic publications. Did she write like um biography stuff for them too, or what sort of articles did she write? You know, a lot of them were kind of biographical, I think. And she wrote, she was a regular contributor to Huffington Post. And she often did write, she would write sometimes about a trend item 
but she would also uh, write about certain individuals that she thought were exemplary in their field for some reason or another. Uh, mm -hmm. So yes, there was a lot. There was a lot of that, especially at the Huff Post those years. Very cool. Okay, one more, and then we're going to take a quick break. So my question for you is, um, what has has anybody? Um, reached out besides reviews to you or on her social media or stuff like that about the book? Um, well, um, you know, we, uh, we're doing some events. We're having a bunch of book parties for her. We had, the, we had one last Sunday. We've won this Sunday, the next Sunday, the next weekend after that. <laughs> uh, this afternoon, um, tomorrow morning, I'm doing an interview on Sirius Radio. Uh, somebody reached out who has a program on Sirius to discuss it with me. Um, I think a lot of people kind of when they realized, I think there was more interest in obviously uh, speaking directly with the author. And uh, some people kind of were interested in doing something. And then when they heard that Annie was not available, uh, kind of backed away. Uh, but uh, this, this evening, we're going up to we'll have an in-store bookstore event. Uh, we're going to, and I've, what I've done is I've been, you know, at these events and parties, normally Annie would read a chapter from the book. So I've enlisted different actress friends of ours uh, instead to come to these parties and read on, on, on her behalf. So tonight at the, uh, there's a Flint Ridge bookstore up in, uh, the, in the, here in LA area, general area. And the, uh, do you know, if you know who Radon Chong is, uh, Ray Don Chong, she starred in a bunch of movies years ago, and she's the daughter of Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's great. So she's going to do a reading tonight um, on a Sunday. Susan Blakely. Do you remember Susan Blakely? Yes. Yeah. yeah she's she's going to do the reading on Sunday. So, you know, we have different people lined up for different events to do that. Um, so there's been some outreach, but I think had Annie been available herself, you know, for these conversations, uh, I'm doing the best I can, but she would have been great because she's uh, funny and smart and, uh, you know, would have been able to tell you more specifically where she's coming from. I'm just guessing at where she's coming from, knowing her as well as I do. Yeah, no, I, I, I it sounds like you're doing a brilliant job. It really does. <laughs> well, awesome. Annie and I were very close. You know, uh, we had a great, great relationship. I miss her terribly, by the way. Uh, so I do know her pretty well. And so I think what I'm telling you is not far from the truth, for sure. <laughs> I'm, I am absolutely sure. And, and I think that's wonderful. Okay, we have to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Drinking With Authors. Winter is coming. Prepare with a fine cigar and listen to the Cigar Nerds podcast. We smoke cigars and talk about movies and all kind of nerdy things available at cigarnerdpodcast.com also on the ESO network at esonetwork.com our sponsor today on drinking with authors is skunk brothers spirits skunk brothers spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits their name was inspired by their pops who is nicknamed skunk 
Gunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrotherspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. So I love that she has all these author friends that you have enlisted to come read her books. That gives it a whole level of special. And although it's not for the right reasons at all, what I think is neat about that is that's a whole promotional thing in and of itself for this book, which is wonderful because you are working to create the audience for her book and to get it out there because some people put out books and they just sit and not even on shelves. They just sit in some nebulous electronic void somewhere that you know their cousins bought a couple of books but that's it you know <laughs> so no I, well i'm trying to honor her legacy frankly and burnish her legacy uh you know she really put her heart and soul into this book and um tragically as as we mentioned earlier she passed before it was uh, actually published and uh so i as her husband and her best pal, I, I want to do whatever I can to get people to appreciate because it, it's, it happens to be a wonderful book. It's getting wonderful reviews. It is, an, is a wonderful read. I think when you finally get the book, you girls are going to love it, honestly. And you'll get amazing reviews from us because we are, yeah. we are those people that will give amazing reviews. Um, so did you get to read the whole thing before she actually sent it to the publisher? Did she let you do that or was, did she make you wait? It's an interesting question. <laughs> she, uh, you know, yeah. The truth of the matter is, you know, she kind of kept me a little at arm's length throughout the whole process. I don't think she wanted my influence on it at all. She wanted this to be her book. I think she was concerned honestly, that uh, I might read it and, and say this, this, and that, that, and, you know, and, and she didn't want to hear from me because, you know, I, <laughs> I, I think I do influence her a lot on certain things. And as far as the book, she wanted me not to have anything to say. I read a, I read a version of it about three years ago, and then I didn't read the new version until it was already about to be published. Oh, wow. And what did you think when you read it? I thought to myself, she's a damn good writer. She has her own voice. It's really clear. I don't think when you read the book that you would confuse her writer's voice with any other writers out there. She has a, she has a, her style is almost conversational and she writes the way she spoke and she was funny and clever. And uh, 
And so I thought to myself, she's a she's an actually an excellent writer. Um, I thought the book was a fast read, um, and um, I I was very proud of her. Actually, I thought it was uh, I thought she did a damn good job, uh, and I know she really worked for years to improve her skills. You know, she she studied. She used to go to uh, writing groups, and she helped and conducted a writing group, and she really made an effort to kind of make her, you know, hone her skills. So when I finally read it, I thought to myself, damn, damn good, Annie. <laughs> you did good. <laughs> I think are, there, awesome. <laughs> are there any scenes in the book that you read and that brought you comfort? Hmm. Um, good question. Um, I think that essentially, um, at, by the end of this of the book, there is a a triumph in the character, and it's interesting, you know. Even just getting the book published was a triumph, and and I would say to her, you know, she was concerned about what she accomplished. I say, listen, the fact that a credible publisher who's been around for like decades this is not a new fly by night. They've been around, I think, for fifty years almost. Uh, who have their choice of, of, of dozens of options chose to uh, uh, publish your book means that it's worthy. And I think the character, the way the character evolves through all her fits and starts and this going this path and tr trying that path and everything should happen, whether it was with, you know, sex and, and, and drugs and all these other experiences that she went through until she kind of found her way um, so by the fact that at the end, there was a certain level of peace uh, made me feel good because it, it, it made me think that in Annie's real life, hopefully inside, she felt that peace as well. That, I mean, I think that's true and it's interesting to hear. So we kind of call that in writing um, imposter syndrome when authors who have great voices and great stories to tell get worried that they're not great and that people aren't going to like them. And mm -hmm. since writing can be, even though you should have a community always, but majority of writing one does by oneself. Mm -hmm. And so you can really easily get into your head and start second guessing everything that you're doing because you're by yourself and nobody else is there going, stop it. What are you doing? <laughs> you're amazing. You know, and it's, it's interesting, the validations and how sometimes the validations have to be told back to us that we're, we are where we think we are, or we're better than in that moment we think we right. are. Right, you know? right, right. Well, that's why I wish she was uh, was able to live long enough to get some of these reviews. Even something simple, I'll tell you, Alice McDermott, uh, Annie, Annie approached Alice back in, uh, I think, April. And she found her personal email through Annie's different methods of getting information. And she wrote to Alice and she reintroduced herself. And Alice said she absolutely remembered Annie because they had the shared Irish heritage. And she remembered Annie from the class. And she said, I would love to read your novel. And uh, Annie said, if you like it, if you would give us a quote, we'd you know, be great if you like it. And Alice said she would read it, but she had to warn Annie that she had a, a, a queue of books she had to read first before she got to it. So bottom line, by the time they got ready to print the cover of the book, and we mm -hmm. still haven't heard from Alice, and Annie was so disappointed 
that she hadn't heard back from Alice and she reached out to her again, hadn't heard back. And then after she passed and they were, they were finishing up the book uh, cover for printing, I looked through Annie's computer and I found Alice's email address. So I decided to write to her. And I wrote to her, introducing myself, telling the circumstance, reminding her about the book. She wrote back immediately. She said, coincidentally, she had just finished reading it a few days before, and she called it a wonderful novel. And she said, she said, I finished Andy's wonderful novel, and I'll be happy to give you a quote, which she did, and which is on the net, which is on the back. Now the publishers were so excited to get a quote from Alice McDermott because she's important enough to move the needle. Yeah, Alice wrote back and gave the quote. I remember feeling such a pain in my heart in a way, because that quote from Alice, who Annie held in such high esteem, would have meant the world to her. And when I saw that she wrote back and she said what she said, again, it was like what I said before, it was a mixture of joy and, and pain about the whole thing. Um, but that's how life, it was a cruel, it was a cruel twist of fate that Annie, um, she, you know, she had, an, she tripped and fell and that's what started her, her demise. Um, oh, okay. I did. I hadn't asked that question. She tripped on a cobblestone uh, up in Carmel and she fractured her hip, uh, which resulted in some internal bleeding, which eventually shut down her organs and that was the end. So it was a cruel twist of fate that that happened. Otherwise, she would have still been around and uh, been able to, uh, you know, hear, get the accolades that are coming through. So it's, uh, you know, it's bittersweet. I, I can totally understand that. But yeah. I love that you are doing what she would want done with it instead of just being um, upset and putting it away. She no, no. wants this out there. And I have no doubt, you know, wherever she is in the universe now, she, I'm sure, appreciates it wholeheartedly. Right. that you're doing this for her. And I think it's amazing. I hope, I hope there is something to the fact that there is a, some sort of consciousness in the afterlife and that she does, in fact, um, who knows? Uh, if she knew, this would be great. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm sure she can feel it. That's, that's how I think. You know, we lose but, people, but you know, their memories keep everything alive for us and make a difference and stuff like that. So... Um, I, you know, my, I lost my mom when I was 27 and I, when I first published a book, cause she had written, she'd actually written a children's book, which I'm going to publish next year for her. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know she would have loved it. She would have loved yeah. seeing that. Her, sure. Well, I mean, I write right. horror sure. stories that don't have happy endings. <laughs> so she might've been like, can you write something with a happy ending? But <laughs> and but she she would have loved it and so i think you know she's down there smiling going well done erica and can you write something with a happy ending that's what i hear in the back of my head you write something with a happy ending so that's very cool Bo, did you have more questions on your epic list of questions <laughs> i do um what is what is one thing you want people to know about annie before they pick up the book Well, um, truthfully, Annie was about kindness. Uh, and um, being kind to kindness in the world, which is clearly lacking these days more than ever. Uh, but I think that's really what her 
mission. Annie was, she had a boatload of friends, you know, at the memorial, um, I did a eulogy. And what I, what I said, which was totally true, is when Annie passed, our family literally received probably between 250 and 300 messages of condolence and sympathy. And I was thinking to myself, what was it about Annie that connected, she connected to so many people that really she touched people. And what it was is that she had basic respect for other people. When she would meet somebody, she would actually look them in the eye and say, how are you? And she, it wasn't a game. She was present with people. And if she didn't know them, she might admire their glasses or a piece of jewelry they were wearing. If she knew them, she might ask about a, their family or a trip she had, they had recently taken. But the point is she was present and respectful and was with people and she touched people. People wanted, I think what people really want, and she knew this was to be seen. People want to be acknowledged. They want to be, uh, they want to matter in the world. And people don't want to go through the world feeling anonymous, unseen, um, disrespected, unimportant. And what Anna used to do is she would make people feel important. And That's she would awesome. make people seen, feel seen. And the result is, it doesn't matter if it was a, a service person like a plumber or a housekeeper or it was somebody held in high esteem like a you know, the head surgeon at the hospital or a college professor, she treated everybody equally and people felt it from her. And, and that's why I think there was such an outpouring of love and grief from people when they heard that she had passed. I think that's awesome. And I think what you said is very, very true is that, you know, we, we sometimes walk through life and we have whatever our own mission, our own insecurities and whatever, but even just acknowledging somebody's existence, like when you go to drive-thru, drive-thru Starbucks or whatever, right? You know, every time they go, hey, how can I help you? Blah, blah, blah. I go, hey, I hope you're having a great day. I would like blah. Because right. that's not a machine. That's a human on the other side of that's that right. that I'm sure is put up with some not pleasant customers or sure. will. You know, it needs to have that acknowledgement that you're assisting them and thanking them for doing what they're doing or just you know when you see an artist um at a craft fair and stuff like that walking up and going this is really beautiful now of course they want you to buy something so you might be hesitant to not go oh no oh, they're gonna think i want to buy something but just acknowledge them even if you don't want to purchase something or it's not your thing just you know they're sitting there with some piece of them on that table and you you just have to go hey i like this it doesn't mean it's your thing it just means that you can acknowledge what they're doing you know, you know, so I, I find that also even with homeless on the street who are asking for money and you're in your car. Now, most of the time, sometimes I'll give money depending on how I'm feeling, but generally I don't. But yet when I noticed this was yesterday, somebody held it was I was parked at a red light and this guy held up a sign and I looked at him and I, you know, I kind of said hello and he waved back and that was the end of the exchange. I didn't give him anything and he didn't really push for anything. I know that's what he was there for, but I think a lot of these people don't, people don't even look at them. And yeah. I think 
just to kind of acknowledge that they're there. Listen, I feel sorry for the circumstance for all these people, but you know, it's um, they are humans, and they, anybody who's standing at the side of the road begging for money has got to be in a bad way. To, to that, that's your life, you know, you know, whatever the the reason for it, uh, it's got to be, you know. So it's a little kind. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Okay, Bo. Anything else on your epic list? Because go Bo. <laughs> well, between the questions you've asked and the questions I've asked, we've gotten all of my questions. All oh. of the questions. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a final question is, you know, I know um, Annie probably would have loved to have done the audiobook for this book, but circumstances, she, that's not going to happen. Do you right. have somebody in mind or has somebody volunteered to do the audiobook for her? I do have people in mind, actually. Uh, a friend of her, one of her friends who's an actress, Holly Palance, uh, uh, has done audiobooks and she'd be great. I know the pub, I spoke to the publisher about this a few weeks ago, and I think he sent it to um, some pretty well known actress um, to see if they might be able to do it. So I'm not sure where it stands. I haven't discussed it with them in a while, but I'm actually going to. After we hang up, I'm going to get a hold of them and find out <laughs> where's the audio book, where's the ebook, uh, is the, where's the paperback. Let's get let's get moving, guys. <laughs> You're going to be like, listen, don't make yeah. me call Erica back because she'll exactly. get exactly. Erica's going to be pissed off. <laughs> we're 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 chomping at the bit for that book because we right. were both talking about it. I was like, this book looks great, and Erica's like, I know Ooh. where is the ebook. We really want to li listen to it or like read it and. All right. I really Love can't it. wait to read it. I'm really excited. I, I'm sorry, I think you're really going to like it. You know, it's uh, it's well, we it's, can't wait. Get that publisher moving on stuff. I mean, <laughs> like, believe me, I'm not right the authors just demanded it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Jeffrey, I would love for you to do a little, I call it shameless self-promotion, but I'd love for you to tell people where they can find out more about Annie and where they can find her book. Uh, yes. Um, first of all, her book is available uh, on Amazon and other places. It's, it's distributed by Ingram. So wherever Ingram sells, I think it's available, but it's, it's definitely on Amazon. It's also available from the publisher, which is thepermanentpress.com thepermanentpress.com you can get it from them as well uh, her website is annieoneillstein.com there seems to be at the moment some issue with the the um, um, the platform so i have to uh, sort that out because i went to check it out yesterday and it's not it's not up for some reason but that will get i'll have to figure that one out but that's annieoneillstein.com and um Buy the book, buy it for a friend, give it for Christmas present, tell people about it, spread the word. It's definitely worthy. Absolutely. And the book is called Exit Wounds. We got to throw that in there. So people oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? You wouldn't be surprised the amount of authors who start talking about their stuff. And I'm like, and the title of the book is <laughs> they're just saying everything else. Exit Wounds. So yes. uh, we are absolutely looking forward to it. It right. sounds brilliant. Jeffrey, I want to thank you so much for coming on this special episode with us and sharing your wife's work. I think it's amazing. And we love that we can continue to carry her voice forward. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate thank your you. giving us the time.
Absolutely. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. Our sponsor today is Skunk Brother Spirits, coupon code DWA10. Check them out. Don't forget to review, like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. My amazing co-host has been Bo Lake, and we will see you guys next time. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.